Welcome to Raising Rochester. I'm Pete DeBosny. Raising Rochester is brought to you by The Children's Agenda and focuses on the key issues affecting children and families in Rochester and New York State. My guest today is my colleague at The Children's Agenda, Bridget Hurley. Bridget is our Senior Director of Advocacy and Programs and has been responsible for our Monroe County budget reviews for the past 10 years. The annual Monroe County budget is really important to the well-being of children in this community, particularly vulnerable children, and yet gets very little attention each year compared to the City of Rochester budget or the Rochester City School District budget. Our conversation focuses on what is important in the proposed county budget and what the children's agenda is recommending to improve it. Bridget Hurley, welcome to Raising Rochester. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Pete. So you and I know each other quite well uh, as we've worked together for the last four plus years. Um, but uh, I want to give our audience a chance to get to know you before we dive into today's topic, which is the proposed 2022 uh, Monroe County budget. So uh, could you just give us a little bit of background about yourself, uh, where you grew up, how you ended up at the Children's Agenda? Sure. Um, I grew up in the Rochester area in, um, in Menden and lived here pretty much my whole life except for college and one year in Buffalo, uh, working after college. And so um, I have lived a couple of different places in the county, but live now in Scottsville. Actually, I technically live in the, in the town of Chile, but uh, live in Scottsville and raised my four kids here, have worked in this field of child advocacy, uh, justice advocacy for pretty much my whole career. Before I came to the Children's Agenda in um, 2012, I had worked at Catholic Family Center for 10 years doing work with uh, Catholic parishes on social justice and advocacy. And before that had a few part-time jobs, including my claim to fame is that I worked at the Rochester Toy Library for several years Very nice. um, in the late nineties, which continues to be a really great resource for our community. So yeah, that's me. Great. And one of the things you've done um, through your work at the Children's Agenda since 2012 is review the annual Monroe County budget, um, which is something that I believe our organization has done pretty much from the start, right? This is one of the sort of the founding work uh, elements of our work um, yep. uh, dating back 17 years, but you've been working on this since about 2012. So what what do we look for in the county budget? Why why has the children's agenda reviewed the county budget every year? Like why does this why does this matter to to our community here? So um, because the children's agenda's mission is to really advocate for um, evidence based solutions to the issues that face children and their families, it is really important that we um, both look at what children's needs are. Um, and do that on a continual basis. And also then identify some um, strategies to, um, to meet those needs and to hold our public institutions accountable for their responsibility and authority um, in terms of serving kids. So I believe it's, there's, it's twofold. One is again, a matter of accountability, that if the city or the school district or the county says that they are going to do something, then we need to be uh, watching to make sure that they accomplish that. And I also believe our county budget and our city budget and, and school district budget work helps to keep the community engaged because um, these are not snazzy <laughs> um, budget hearings. Um, these are not great community events. 
they are systems that you know uh, that and decisions that are made usually in legislative chambers chambers or behind closed doors and so we need to bring them to light and um, let the community know what's happening what decisions are being made and and again even in the budget themselves often often we discover uh, for example there's been a big increase in child protective services reports or um, you know there's been a big drop in runaway and homeless youth so it's a it's also a way to track what's happening with kids and youth yeah great and what so you mentioned our organization roughly does like four different budget reviews we look at the mm -hmm. county budget we look at the city of rochester budget we look at the state budget um, and we look at the rochester city school district budget and each of those entities has different programs and, and funds different things and serves a different purpose but what are the the kind of key issues for for children or key funding areas or, or key, kind of key budget lines um, that uh, we look at in the Monroe county budget every year so uh, the Monroe County budget is about, it's a little more than a billion dollar budget. And about half of that is um, made up of the Department of Human Services and the Department of Health. And those are the two departments in the county that impact youth the most. They are the largest human service provider in the county, whether it's through their own staff or for through um, you know community-based organizations or agencies that they contract with, but for example, you know as I said, the county is responsible for handling all complaints um, and reports of potential child abuse and neglect. The county is responsible for delivering assistance to families who need help, uh, whether it's just to meet their basic needs um, through temporary assistance or help with heating or uh, WIC programs for for families with young children um, or, or with pregnant moms who need some help with getting um, nutrition. So they, they really, um, this is one of the things that we do try to make clear with our county budget analysis every year is that the county has an enormous impact on families in, in, in this area and particularly on vulnerable families. So, uh, so it's really important for someone to to kind of watch what's happening with that budget. Yeah, and what are some of the things that um, through the, I guess the nine years or so, um, your 10th year, 10th year of reviewing mm -hmm. this budget that we've um, observed or, you know, advocated around that have, you know, resulted in some, let's hope positive changes for, for the children of, of Monroe County. Can you pick out a couple examples of past sure. successes? Yeah, just sort of as an overall frame, we, um, the children's agenda is, uh, advocates for children, you know, prenatal through young adulthood. So we're always looking at the spectrum of both needs and um, services. So of course there's the Youth Bureau, which is within the Department of Human Services um, within um, the county budget. And that certainly serves an older population, but the bulk of our work is often more towards the younger ages because we focus very much on prevention and evidence-based programs and um, usually you can get the most for your tax dollar by investing in kids when they're young. Um, and so things like home visiting programs, uh, child care, again, CPS. Um, and in terms of successes, I would say, well, the children's agenda really had a very early success and terrific success in bringing the Nurse Family Partnership Program to Monroe County. 
it's an, uh, it's really um, has a tremendous amount of evidence behind it um, in terms of creating uh, much better outcomes for families who participate in the home visiting uh, program all the way up through, uh, you know, high school graduation rates, college graduation rates, um, higher incomes later in life. So NFP is sort of a great example of something that the Children's Agenda, of course, always in collaboration. We, we're small, and so we're always working with community partners. And um, that was an example where we worked with other folks and, um, and got the Nurse Family Partnership Program established here in Monroe County and continues to this day. We also have had uh, some help, um, or excuse me, had some success with uh, increasing resources for Child Protective Services. Uh, that was uh, an example of an issue that came up really because we were doing the, the county budget analysis. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, noticed that, noticed that there was this increasing number of reports. And, um, and so we were successful in getting some more resources and reducing caseloads there. A, couple, a few years ago, uh, we regularly attend county ledge meetings, the county legislature meetings, and there were parents coming and testifying about how their children who had disabilities were not getting services that they needed. And so that was really the genesis of our Kids Can't Wait campaign, um, which has now resulted in increased resources for, um, for young children with disabilities, both at the county level and at the state level. So, and then, I, it, I, you know, again, another, I think, fairly well-known success that we have had in advocacy, along with, again, lots of community partners is the increase in childcare assistance there was a time when that was really being cut and um, through over the course of a few years, we, we really, I think, made a lot of noise about it and, and changed the county's perspective on that. Yeah, and childcare um, is obviously, well, not obvious to all our listeners, but, but something <laughs> that I spent a lot of my time on. Um, yes, at the agenda. And it's an example, I think, of one of those places where there's, you know, multiple funders, like a lot of these programs, but you went through all these things where there's federal dollars, there's state yeah. dollars, um, there's some county contribution, whether it's required under state law or it's um, discretionary spending. And that's one of the things when I've looked at the county budget or some of the discourse about, um, about what the county puts in its budget and how it sets funding levels. Um, there's this whole concept of like mandatory spending or mandated spending um, and then discretionary spending. And, and all these funding streams are incredibly complicated. So how do you like when you're looking at the budget and trying to understand what's being increased or adjusted, like how do you kind of hone in on what are actually the county's priorities um, that the things that we're putting local tax dollars behind or maximizing our investments in for children versus those things that are, are really kind of on autopilot or um, are driven by some external factor. How do you sort of like tease all this out and figure out like, like, what is actually the statement of priorities within, within the budget? Yep. So um, there's a couple of things I would say in response to that. One is that we do have this unusual um, structure in New York state government where the money from the federal government, which often, as you said, funds the bulk, provides the bulk of the funding for some of the programs that the county delivers, um, is, is um, sent to New York state and then unlike a lot of other states, New York State then passes a lot of that money down to the county level, sometimes adding its own um, funds. And then the counties actually administer. And 
it can be problematic because the county, I think, feels the burden of providing those services and spending that money. In reality, a lot of that money is, like I said, coming from the state and federal government. So, um, but delivery of services is a is a complicated thing. And so it takes a lot of the county resources to do that. So I guess my first answer would be just to be aware of that, that there are federal regulations that the county must follow. There are state regulations the county must follow. There are co sometimes complicated matching um, you know, mechanisms in funding for human services that, uh, that can be restrictive. So, so we're certainly aware of that. One way that we, that we can really clearly see the county's commitment is um, at the bottom of every departmental budget, there's a line that says net county share. That is the amount of money that the county is spending of its own dollars. So we track that very closely. Again, I'm not saying that uh, you know the county necessarily doesn't believe in a program if it doesn't provide um, a, a, a large amount of its own tax dollars towards it, because there, again, may be some matching requirements um, and restrictions on funding. On the other hand, if we track it over years, which as you said, we do, then um, we can certainly pull out where they've, you know, sort of where they pull back on supporting the program um, and encourage them to, you know, to fund more. They can, they can often add their own dollars if they really believe a, a program is necessary. All right, so let's go from the, the sort of big picture historical um, somewhat mm -hmm. abstract component to this to like what's actually in the county budget. Um, and, and I should say it, what, what you're talking about right now is the proposed county budget. The county executive puts out a proposal every year, then the legislature evaluates it, makes changes, whatever. Um, there's a, you know, the, the beauty of a democracy, right? Um, so right. what's in the proposed budget that's noteworthy this year um, that the children's agenda wants to draw attention to? And then mm -hmm. sort of how are we kind of working through our, our recommendations and what are those kind of big areas? Yeah, yeah, so um, so exactly what you said, at every level when we do a budget analysis, we're looking at the proposed budget that's proposed by the executive, whether it's the county executive or the mayor or the, um, the governor, and then um, while the legislature deliberates, um, deliberates on the budget, we are, um, you know, coming up with findings and then recommendations for the budget, which we then share with the legislature so that when they vote, they have the opportunity to look at what we are recommending that they change in the proposed budget. Um, and then once they vote, of course, it's the, um, the C adopted budget. So in this year's county budget, um, there's as usual, a mix of, um, of some very good stuff and a couple of things uh, that are concerning. So one thing that we're certainly supportive of is that the county has instituted a $15 minimum wage for all employees, which may not sound like a traditional children's issue, but in general, uh, we're very concerned about the level of poverty in Rochester and in the economic security of families because that really impacts a child's well-being. And so, um, so just both symbolically and in a very practical way, uh, we certainly support the county in setting that minimum wage at $15 an hour. The, uh, the county for the third year in a row has increased reimbursement rates for um, some providers who serve children, young children with disabilities. So in the preschool special education program, the county is able to set the rates 
for services like occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech, teachers of the blind, uh, and, um, and related services like that. Um, there's a big shortage of those providers and they are not paid well. And so we're always very happy to see the county um, take an action to support, um, support those providers and in that way support the children and families that the program serves. We are um, also happy to see that there's additional funding and staffing at the Youth Bureau. Um, the Youth Bureau is small, but um, it's good to see it growing a bit because um, they have the opportunity to impact older youth. And particularly uh, with the uh, pandemic, there's a lot of youth who are um, disengaged. There are some youth in our community who have not been engaged in any school setting online or not since March of 2020. And um, some have not been engaged in employment or with a faith community or with a community organization. And so uh, we're happy to see the Youth Bureau expanding and staff to reach out to, um, to youth like that, as well as to do lots of leadership programming with youth and, um, and, and other things. So happy to see that. The Children's Center is the detention center out in Rush. Um, there's a couple different uh, detention centers in our community. The county is responsible for um, the one that holds um, juvenile um, delinquents and juvenile offenders and adolescent offenders. And without going into the detail of those different sort of categories of youth, they, um, they have had a tough year. And so the county is devoting, again, additional resources and staffing to the Children's Center, which we hope will then improve the safety situation there because there's been some um, some violence and also, you know, do programming that's really going to, in the long run, help those youth um, when they're um, discharged to go on and be successful. Mental health is a big concern, so there's some expanded mental health um, initiatives in um, the budget. And then I think the, the last thing I'll say, because it's, it's a pretty big initiative and we're very supportive, is that the county is initiating a community integration uh, model where they're going to be looking, designing a way to bring county staff and county services, actually it might even be county services with using um, community-based staff in neighborhood organizations, nonprofit agencies, so that uh, folks who need help, again, with like heating or WIC or public assistance or housing um, will be able to not, not have to go to uh, 111 Westfall or St. Paul to the county's Department of Human Services buildings, but maybe could go to a neighborhood organization to apply for services and perhaps have a better experience applying because it won't be, you know, what, it can be a sort of a chaotic process um, applying for assistance uh, in the current design. And so we're really happy to see the county looking at a way to um, make it a better experience for individuals and families who need assistance to, to submit those applications. Yeah, so that's you know, kind of the idea of, of helping people where where they are, right? So if your right. child is enrolled in a pre-K program at a community-based organization, there might be some opportunity, depending on where they yeah. are to, yeah, as you said, apply for like heating assistance. I think my own reason is very complicated to, to do that. So I'm really it's excited. Very, to see it's county, like, very complicated. Trying to figure out how it's going to work and, and 
I think it's something. We're yeah, and that's and what on. they're doing in this budget is allocating the money to contract with the United Way to work with their systems integration um, initiative to design how this is going to actually roll out because there are federal and state uh, regulations that need to be followed and so it can be very complicated but I think uh, just shifting the location of where people can access um, those application uh, sites is is really important yeah, it was, so it was so actually one of the most important initiatives I guess I should say most important in my mind, but it was a it was a major recommendation recommendation coming out of the Rays Commission, um, and so happy to yeah. see the county pick that up. Thank you. That was a you know a good summary, and I'm sure people will, um, when we publish this eventually, we're going to have a report that comes out that people can kind of yes. dig into the stuff in a bit more detail as well. Um, what are you mentioned the kind of the violence issues at the I'm at the mm -hmm. Children's Center, and um, that's obviously very concerning. And what are some other things that are through your read of the county budget? And there's a lot of other data in there um, in terms of um, yeah. you know enrollment in this program or that program or things like that um, that are concerning. Like obviously, kids have gone through a lot in this community over the past yeah. um, several years, as as we all have. But these things affect children um, in unique ways sometimes. So, what are some other sort of areas of concern that that we picked up on in, in the proposed budget this year? The, um, the number of CPS reports continues to be high. It's just um, a very persistent issue that is problematic in Monroe County compared to other counties. And I do believe the county has taken steps over the last five or seven, five, six years to bring caseloads down and bring in more training and staff development and supervision and for the staff there. So um, I, I do think that they've made some progress in terms of the staffing of CPS administration, but yet we continue to have over 9,000 reports of abuse and neglect every year in Monroe County. About 86 to 88% of those are reports of neglect and one to 2% are reports of physical abuse and the remainder are reports of sexual abuse of children. And so um, it's, you know, it's a, it, it's a extremely concerning situation. The neglect reports are largely uh, related to poverty. So um, I think it's also a bit of an indicator that despite all of our great efforts and great intentions that that poverty is still present in our community to a large degree and that it's impacting kids because what's, what that generally means is a child that shows up to school without a coat. And so the teacher calls, you know, maybe it happens over and over and the teacher calls to say, I'm concerned about this child. Um, you know, maybe it's a child who doesn't show up to school because the mom's childcare provider fell through. And so, you know, the 12 year old needs to stay home and take care of the baby so mom can go to work or, you know, there's any number of situations where it's really a lack of resources. That's, it's, that's the problem, not that the parents, you know, neglecting the child. So anyways, that um, is a concern. It, they did dip in 2020, but that's probably because um, kids weren't in school and teachers were not identifying situations that were concerning and kids weren't in childcare and uh, things like that. So um, that is a concern. Our foster care uh, population continues to be high. We, we have come far in terms of um, lowering our foster care rates compared to say 20 years ago. 
but for six years now, it's been climbing. The foster care placement rate has been climbing. And so um, there's, there's very few situations where being in foster care is a positive thing for a child. Um, despite all the great efforts of foster care providers, it's generally much better for a child to be in a permanent um, placement. And so anytime we see more and more kids going into foster care, that um, that is a really big concern. So I would say those are the those are the major things that I saw that are concerning. Yeah, and I've, I've always thought about those things as sort of being the what happens when the when the safety net kind of fails, right? So if yes, if right. like the number of CPS reports, the, the CPS investigators at the county don't get to determine how many calls come in, right? But that's something that's like right. external to their work, uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, there are sometimes subsequent calls and things like that, but by and large, the it's it's external to their work. And so, if as you said, if the number of calls is going up, it's some indication that other systems aren't serving families, supporting families, the families are more strained. Um, and we obviously have to respond to that. We need to have the appropriate staffing for CPS. We need to be able to get out there and, and you know, see what's happening and offer families support and assistance. And if kids are in unsafe environments, do something about that. But, but it's, it's like a response mechanism to that, to that overall community strain, right? And foster care is the same thing. I mean, it's a little bit different, but it, you know, the priority is to keep kids with their families um, and to bring in supports to those families. But if the CPS investigator and the family court judge and, and everyone, like they think that in the short term that this child can't remain safely at home, it is like a traumatic thing. It's not good when a child, any child is placed in foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, despite all the great work that foster parents can do, it's still not a good thing when a child is separated from their parent but sometimes it has to happen. And so those rising numbers, just to kind of reiterate what you're saying, are, are a sign that for at least a, a significant portion of our community, you know, there's, you know, things are getting worse and that, that mm-hmm. um, and that we're seeing um, more families under really intense strain. And that's when you get, you know, that neglect that you were talking about. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's, um, it's the county's obligation to ensure the safety of, of, of children and, in you know, throughout this community, but it's sort of a larger community responsibility Absolutely. to, um, right. to lower the, um, the number, the rate and the, and the amount of these calls. And so, right. Uh, and they have, they have such an influence over, first of all, again, some preventive measures, um, interventions that could be, that could happen early in a child's life, whether it is a home visiting program or early intervention services or, or preventive services to keep kids out of foster care. Um, or to address it, you know, it's a much harder, but to address it, you know, with the kids who are in youth, who, excuse me, who are in foster care or at the children's center. But, you know, so we are constantly encouraging them to use evidence-based programs where there's been proven success. Um, and, um, and of course, to adopt culturally responsive strategies when working with youth and as much as popular to employ staff who, um, who look like the kids that they're serving. And, um, and we're, you know, again, I'll say very supportive of this community integration initiative because it may bring folks to, it may bring assistance to the neighborhood as opposed to, you know, people having to spend all day sitting in the, in the waiting room. So I did want to just mention one other thing, not that I like to be a doomsayer, but um, but uh, I have heard through sitting through the budget hearings that there's a big concern around 
emergency housing. Um, the projections for 2022 are, are very high, and that is because the moratorium, the eviction moratorium is ending on January 15th. And it's pretty widely acknowledged that we just don't have the capacity in this community to handle what's probably gonna you know, happen after the moratorium is lifted over the course of the year. You know, it's not gonna be this immediate, you know, people are gonna be out on the street, but, um, but that's, you know, that's a real concern. And again, a place where the county can make a difference is how is it supporting um, affordable housing development and helping families locate affordable housing, permanent housing so they're not having to, you know, to be placed in an emergency placement. I like how the children's agenda, how we think about children's issues that, you know, housing is a children's issue, homelessness is a yes. children's issue, um, uh, all these things that uh, children are part of families. And so if families are, you know, if we're seeing an increase in evictions in, in, a, in a community, then that's going to affect kids and it's going to affect kids in a particularly um, traumatic way. Right. And so, Absolutely. Um, you know, obviously that's, I share your concern and hope, um, Hope we're able to, to figure something out, although it's yeah, it's, um, yeah. And to its credit, Monroe County did a good job delivering emergency assistance or excuse me, eviction prevention assistance in um, in 2021. So we're we're starting from a a good point, but um, yeah, yeah. That's a credit to the credit to the county, right? That they mm-hmm. chose not to wait for the state to get their um, yes. rental assistance program <laughs> up, which was a a very smart decision in hindsight because they they got the dollars out the door months before the state uh, yeah state got any money out so um, yeah so families and I think they've been able to draw down more funds because of that also so mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know kudos to them for that so yeah so those are some of the the kind of findings things that are in the in the budget what are what are we recommending like what are some things that we want to see either tweaked or enhanced or changed uh, significantly within the within the budget this year yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll just I'll just mention a few. Um, so in terms of the children's center, there are going to be additional security staff at the children's center, and um, and it does seem as if that's going to be um, helpful. But we want to make sure that there's also programming for the youth there in terms of their health, in terms of their social emotional well being, in terms of thinking about the future planning for their uh, release and what they're going to do after they're released. So want to make sure that there's investments there. In terms of childcare, Monroe County um, has done a terrific job in, in getting childcare assistance out to as many families as possible during the pandemic. So many families didn't need childcare because they're working for home or weren't working. And so now the childcare provider capacity, childcare Providers have many have gone out of business, um, so it's a it's a very challenging situation right now. And so happy that Monroe County um, has done um, has adopted a lot of waivers that were available to them um, to help families and um, and childcare programs. But we do see there are some opportunities for um, for improvement in the childcare administration. So, for example. Um, right now, if a family um, receives a child care subsidy and um, they are absent, uh, often the provider does not get paid for that day, as opposed to private pay parents who, if you have your child um, in a child care center or a child care home and your 
um, privately paying and your child is absent, you you still pay for that day because the provider, of course, still has to you know keep that spot open. There's no way to fill that. Um, and so we're very supportive of providers being paid for um, absences. And also there's an enormous amount of money available right now for childcare subsidy because so many people didn't use the assistance during the pandemic time. And I, the county, again, to its credit, is, is maintaining those funds for childcare and is gonna really try and get the assistance to as many families as possible. We feel very strongly that they need to do a promotional campaign, signs on buses and billboards and, you know, information going out through all the different uh, ways that the county interacts with the public so that families know that this assistance is available. Because there have been years where there were, were not, there was not enough funding. And so people would apply for childcare subsidies and get rejected because the funds were gone. And we wanna make it very clear to the community. There are lots and lots of funds available right now for childcare assistance for eligible families, of course, it's guided by uh, federal eligibility guidelines. So the, you know, families need to meet those guidelines, but they're fairly, um, they're fairly generous. And so really wanna encourage folks to apply for that assistance. We um, are also suggesting that the county think differently, a little bit differently about how they can deliver assistance. For example, this con a contractual model that would just be a little bit different. I'm not gonna go into the details here, but just, just would be a different way of providing uh, affordable childcare to families and we would like to see the county pilot a program on that. Um, and uh, we are very concerned about the choices that are being made around ARPA funds in the county and also with the comprehensive planning process that is just kicking off for the county. It's very exciting. The county is you know, thinking ahead and making some plans for the development of their comprehensive plan, we would like to see it a very robust process that um, involves a great deal of community engagement and particular youth engagement so that the youth in Monroe County are able to contribute to their own ideas about what they would like to see in the future for, um, for Monroe County. So those are, those are a few of the recommendations that we that will be in our budget report and that will be in our recommendations to the county legislature. Thank you for all that. Uh, so a little bit of like, we talked earlier about the kind of schoolhouse rock of this, the, the county executive <laughs> proposes the budget, the legislature chews it over, does whatever changes they want to it. Um, uh, and then eventually we have a, a county budget for next year. This conversation is scheduled to, to be posted. We'll see if all goes well on December 7th. So people may be listening to it shortly after that. Um, what's sort of the timeline remaining between, um, we had the county executive propose this several weeks ago, um, when does this budget get uh, finalized and, and what potential input could people have on, on it, um, as well as when can they read uh, you know, the report you've been working on? Read our fascinating report <laughs> on our right. website. Um, so the, uh, unfortunately, at this point, the budget hearings are, um, are over. So uh, there are hearings where you can listen to um, legislators ask questions about the budget and receive answers from the administration. So that, those opportunities are, um, are passed. There is a public forum um, on the night of the budget vote, which is Tuesday, uh, December 14th. Um, that's the night that the county legislature meets for its December meeting. And at that December meeting, they will vote on the budget. 
um, as well as other regular business. And every county ledge meeting starts with a public forum, an opportunity for people to come and speak. So we really encourage people to come again at that moment. Um, they'll be close to voting. And so that's probably not a time to um, where you're going to be sharing something that will change legislative votes, although you never know. Um, but it certainly is an opportunity to come and say, you know, I care about how the county spends its money and these are my um, concerns about, and uh, if it doesn't impact the vote, it could possibly impact the county ledge proceedings moving forward. Um, so the, uh, the budget will be enacted, whether or not there are any changes made to the proposed budget. Um, it will be voted on on Tuesday, December 14th. It becomes the county budget on January 1st. The county budget year is January 1st through December 31st. And so, and then there's opportunities throughout the year. You know, every, again, every month there's public forums that people want to come and talk about issues or spending that they're concerned about. There are changes to the budget that are made all year long. So it's certainly not, this is not the only opportunity to impact county choices of, of how they spend their resources. There's a couple other opportunities that are unusual this year. So the county has um, has been hosting forums where community residents can come and offer their own perspective on how the county county should be spending its COVID relief dollars that came from the federal government through the American Rescue Plan Act. The county has 144 million dollars, and it's saying to the community, we wanna hear where you think these dollars should go. What are the priorities? Um, there is a Zoom on Wednesday the 8th um, that if it, folks go to the county website, um, they could probably find it. It's um, again, it's an opportunity for the public to provide input on where the county spends their $144 million and federal COVID aid. And it's pretty, there. It's there's a lot of flexibility in how the county can spend that. And so be good to provide input. And then the last thing I'll say is that in 2022, the county is gonna be developing its comprehensive plan, uh, which it has not done for a long time. So this is a big opportunity to look to the future of our community and provide input into where we think the county should be focusing. Um, and they promise that there will be public engagement, I'm sure there will be, but we all need to take advantage of those opportunities. So be on the lookout for opportunities to, um, to participate in comprehensive planning. And think about kids <laughs> and bring your yeah. kids. I, I think it's a, great, it's a great time. We're really gonna be encouraging the county to have youth involved in that planning process. So yeah, we, we need to all be looking out for our kids' best um, bright futures. Yeah, and I'll just add to that the um, the budget process, these public hearings, engagement process. It, you know, we gave some praise to the county earlier, so we can do a little bit of a of criticism. Well, I think the county generally kind of they struggle with um, transparency in certain areas. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we don't get a ton of data on the county's website in terms of you know what's happening monthly around various activities or or even annually, um, mm -hmm. and uh, the the budget process, aside from a lot of the work you do, doesn't get as much scrutiny as, as maybe some of the other, the city and the um, and the school district um, budgets. Yeah. And um, and so I think, but yet it, as we've been talking about, has this huge impact on the lives of, of families in this community. Um, and so mm -hmm. getting engaged in whether it's the you know, paying attention to the budget process, going to some of these 
hearings or, or community forums is a way to to both like give input, learn about what's happening, all that. But I'd hope also create like a better expectation around certain transparency and information sharing um, from the county because if more if people want this info, then there's going to be more of a of a feeling among the county that they need to to make this stuff more public and make it more accessible. Absolutely, all, so. uh, yeah. And now, so like for example, I was the only person who was at the the official public forum on the county budget, uh, which was last night. So um, that doesn't say much for how well it was publicized. Um, but if uh, if anyone who's listening is interested, you know, just make sure and get in touch with with one of us at the Children's Agenda. And uh, you know, if you get our newsletter, you'll you'll hear about some of these issues. Um, and I just really want to encourage people. We have seen on several issues, including early intervention and childcare and child protective services, a small group of people come to county ledge meetings to speak at the public forum, eventually bring more people, eventually the media covers it, more people get engaged and change happens. And there are good things that have happened in this community because a few people have started to come to the county legislature meetings and share their concerns. So please, um, please consider getting involved. I think it's, it's really important. I think that's a great place to end. Um, uh, so thanks so much for joining me today on Raising Rochester Bridget. It was it was fun, and uh, I think we all look forward to, to learning more about the, the final county budget. Thanks, Pete. It's been good to be here. Thanks so much for joining me today on Raising Rochester. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and family, including on social media. And feel free to send feedback or show ideas to me at pete at thechildrensagenda.org. Until next time, on behalf of The Children's Agenda, I'm Pete Bosnick.